This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hey, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today is, of course, the absolutely fantastic Jojo. Hello, Jojo. Hello, Graham. With an intro like that, like I, I feel like I need like a brass band behind me. That's right. That's right. That's how we do. That's how we do anyway. But like whatever, you know. <laughs> so Jojo, tell me how you've been and uh, how has life treated you lately? Oh, I've been, I've been all right. You know, life is life. Life is life. <laughs> so Jojo, tell me, uh, have you been watching anything? Um, I, <laughs> I for whatever reason decided to start the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy and and rewatch it, and I I don't know why, but <laughs> that was the weirdest thing you told me. Like the other day, I went out, I talked to you, you, were like, yeah, for some reason I'm watching Batman, <laughs> and I'm like. Okay. That um, yeah. yeah. I guess. I, 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 I don't know. It was just like I was suddenly. I mean, it wasn't like it was just on and I started watching it. I searched for it on HBO and and watched it. So I, I I don't really know what's wrong with me. Not dissing Batman whatsoever. It's just a little different type thing for me to do. But yeah, I watched uh, I watched the Batman, the Tris- Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. That was funny. What a. Uh, what have you been watching? So I've been watching several several things, but I just started this show. I don't know how. Don't ask me, because like I hardly ever open Apple TV Plus, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just turn on the TV and I look for something. But I, there are a couple of apps that are my go-to: Breedbox, Amazon Prime, and some sometimes Netflix. You know, I, I don't go that much to Netflix unless there's something that we're watching for the show, right? And for some reason, last night, I opened up uh, Apple TV+. And I found this show, which actually is not is not brand new. It's, it's called Tehran. And it's about an Israeli spy, if you will, that her specialty is, is hacking. And she gets into Tehran, Iran to basically hack into a system and mess with the air radars for Iran, and uh, things get complicated from there. There are a lot of new actors, well, actors that I don't know, but one actor that I particularly recognize on this one is an actor called David Negaban. And the reason I recognize David Negaban is because he played a mean-ass terrorist on Homeland okay. back in the day. He, okay. if, you, if you watch Homeland and you remember Carrie going after a terrorist called Abu Nazir, that was David Negaban. David Negaban, I believe he is Iranian-German or something like that. And he's a fantastic actor. Like he, he's really, really good, and he's he's on this one. But the main character is played by this actress named Neve Sultan. I don't know her, but she's great. 
So I'm recommending this one. And I think all episodes are available. I think the show premiered back in September. Okay. But all episodes are, are, are available. And if you get to watch it and you like it, we can possibly make a podcast episode about it because I think it was it's fantastic. I'm, I'm on the fourth episode because I started it last night. Okay. And I had to stop at some point. But it is great. It is great. So love it, love I, it, love it. I feel like, was that nominated for something or... Or the name is ringing a bell for me as as something to do with award shows. I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Yeah, it up. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Maybe we might have to look that one up because, like I said, it's been around. I don't know why I didn't know about it because, like, I, I watched not too long ago. We Christine and I watched this Korean show on Apple TV Plus called Doctor Doctor Brain or something like that. Okay. And. It, it was phenomenal. It was eight episodes of pure greatness. And, you know, Apple TV will, before you start a show, it would always give you a preview of another show. So I'm, I don't know if I missed that one or what, because I know that it says that the show premiered in September, but somehow I just happened to run up to it last night and I was like, this is, this is freaking awesome. I like it. I like it. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. How many episodes is it? Uh, eight episodes. Eight episodes. And you eight said it's episodes. on um, Apple, Apple, Apple TV, TV Plus. Plus. Very yes. Cool. It's called Tehran. All right. Cool. So today, my friends, we are back. If you missed us last week, we're sorry about that. But again, every now and then we will take a break from podcasting because if we don't have something important to say or whatever... We just uh, refrain from just bringing you something that you're not going to like. We hope that everything we do, whenever we put out something, is because you are going to like it. <laughs> but uh, last week, there wasn't anything that we needed to say that we had to say. And so for that, we're sorry, but we're back. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and as you will see in the title today, we have sometimes a bit of junk about Peacock because that's what we do. We do that from time to time. We talk junk about <laughs> streaming services that we think are superfluous or are not as sexy and luxurious as the ones that are the mainstream. So Peacock TV is, is exclusive to NBC. It started about maybe two years ago, going on its second year now, George, you know? Yeah, I believe so. It's It's been around a while. So NBC Universal, Peacock, whatever. And if you remember, I've said here that the only reason I have Peacock is because they hijacked the Premier League matches. And sometimes some of the most important matches are exclusively streaming on Peacock and not on regular other channels or whatever. So you have to have Peacock if, you, if you're a Chelsea fan like me and you follow the English Premier League. So I have Peacock, but at the same time, Jojo and I, we've talked about not ever watching a Peacock original, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we have. We really have. We were like, we don't understand the point of Peacock and other than for them to, you know, like dump crap into that nobody wants to watch, but here we are. So, you know, it's good to eat crow once in a while. Is that funny? Is that funny that it's eating crow and it's, it's Peacock television? Is that like a... a 
I don't know. Is that irony or something? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, ma'am. <laughs> well, the fact is, as Jojo will always do, Jojo will induce me to watching something that I would never watch. And so, Jojo, tell us, fault. <laughs> tell us why you thought Dr. Death was worth watching. Go ahead, Jojo, tell me. Well, so Dr. Death is based on a true story, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's something that I've actually followed since 2013, so almost 10 years now. And it was, it happened when we started doing the research for our end of year list, best of 2021. And this show that we're going to talk about today, Dr. Death, actually came up on two best of lists for the year 2021. And I had no idea that this show existed. I didn't know anything about it at all. I didn't know the stars or anything like that, but seeing it on there and then seeing what it was about and knowing that it was a story that I had been very, very interested in and been following and obviously had stopped since I didn't know they dramatized it. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I want to give this show a try. I, I really want to give this show a try. I know it's a Peacock original, but let's try it. And then I watched the first episode, episode and was like, okay, this is pretty good. And then I think by like the third episode, I was like, this might be right up there television, like really, really, really good television. And I think that's when I texted you about that time and was like, Graham, this is, this is good. <laughs> so that's, that's all my fault, folks, but here we are. And here's a crazy thing. Like when you texted me and told me, hey man, I'm watching Dr. Death. It's a Peacock original. That's when you lost me right there. <laughs> I was like, why is she even watching Peacock original? And then we were racking our brains to figure out what we wanted to do. And you're like, Graham, I really like Dr. Death and I think you should give it a try. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Georgia says I should try. I'll try it. Man, I have to tell you, I watched the first episode and I realized immediately that I was watching a great show. Immediately. And again, we're going to talk about this a bit more. One is based on a true story. Two, even though some of it has been fictionalized, but it's such a sensational story that it did not need to be deviated a lot from what it was originally, right? No. And the cast is absolutely fantastic. Yes. And, you know, Joshua Jackson deserves everything. He for, really does. One. He really, really does. Every single thing, everything that needs to be given, Joshua Jackson should be nominated for it because he was incredible. And so with that said, Jojo, please give our audience a synopsis of what Dr. Death is all about. <laughs> all right. So so this TV, it's a miniseries. It's, it's a Peacock original. And it is based on the true story of Dr. Christopher Dunst. He is uh, a surgeon in Texas in about late 2000s to early 2010s, who is a neurosurgeon. And so this, this is a fictionalized account of the true story of what happened to him. He was essentially a, I don't really know what to call him other than almost like a, a, a sadist who had a medical license. 
And so Dr. Death is about, it's a fictionalized story of a true account that happened down in Texas, a neurosurgeon, and what he did to a whole bunch of his patients, and the failure of authorities to act, and uh, how much it took to get any sort of authority to act. And it's this true story, and the funny thing is, there's parts of it that you're going to watch if you don't know anything about the story and think there's no way this is true. This is so over-dramatized. But it's actually, if you read about this story, it's actually been toned down a little tiny bit from the, what actually happened. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really fascinating, horrifying story. Yes, yes. It was horrifying. And again, it was a demonstrable failure on the part of the authorities to take action because this is the United States. Yes. Uh, there are a number of reasons why Dr. Death happened. And the number one reason for me is because this is a country where healthcare is for sale and all you have to do is brand yourself. You don't have to be competent all you have to do is have the branding to go with it, sell yourself the best you can, be a good marketer of your abilities, even if you don't have those abilities, and you'll, you'll thrive. And this is what Christopher Dunst this did. Now, let me start by saying what I think of, of Christopher Dunst, because he was an incompetent surgeon, he probably should have never been allowed near patients because that was not his vocation. I think he could have been a brilliant researcher. I think that was his stuff. And what I think happened here is, think about it the same way as how a PhD is stigmatized versus a, a, a medical doctorate in the sense that if you have a PhD in the United States and you introduce yourself as Dr. So-and-so, as soon as people realize that you're a doctor by PhD, they um, kind of like, so no, you're not a real doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the stigma exists for any medical doctor whose much of their work is on research as opposed to, you know, saving patients' lives, you know, doing the heroic shit. And so Christopher Dunst felt that in order for him to make a name for himself, which he was obsessed with, he needed to be doing his, doing his thing with patients, except that he didn't have the ability to do that. He was an absolute fucking hammerhead. Now, add to that, and, and, and this is, you know, Graham overanalyzing everything. So, so here's, here's what I see on Dutch. And I, I don't know, so I have to say this is based on the portrayal on the series. I don't know if all of these is true, happened in real life. But here's what I think. There are, Christopher Dunge is obsessed with success because of two things. 
One, his father could see through him and always understood him to be a lackey, somebody who will never amount to anything. He needed, he, that gave him a chip on his shoulder and he wanted to show, uh, not only am I going to be something, I'm going to be something better than you because after all, all you are is like some kind of physical therapist. And then add to that, his mother, who couldn't deal with the guilt of having that one child who's always seemed to be something off with him and always made, he think, made him think that he was the greatest thing ever. So what you see happening here, if you look at the trajectory of, of the ascent and descent of Christopher Dunge, you will see a dude who thinks that every woman around him owes him that recognition of being the greatest. He assumes that. And then every man around him, he tries to get their approval. And most of the time, he's not even trying to get their approval in the sense that you've done well, but no, dude, I'm fucking better than you. I'm always going to be better than you. Yeah. And you have to applaud everything I do. Except that Christopher Dunge was not good at anything. He wasn't. And I also suspect, and I don't know if this is an add-on to the plot, but I also suspect that there was something fundamentally wrong with Dunge in the sense of his ability to recognize laterality. And this is a brain malfunction. This is not a, this is not something like it, it, it's, it's sort of like a learning disability to, to a certain extent, but it's not something, it's not about him being intelligent or not. It, it, it's a brain malfunction. The inability to distinguish left from right, right from left. Again, I don't know if this is just something they added there to make the plot interesting, but this is some sort of, it's almost like some sort of dyslexia. Except that it happened with the perception of laterality. And if that was the case, that is a recipe for disaster for anybody who performs surgery. Imagine then a neurosurgeon. What do you think, Jojo? I... <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that you watched the show because I'm I'm really excited to talk about it because <laughs> I feel like there's just so much to unpack in this. So thank you. Anyway, uh, yes, I Doctor Dunst is <laughs> he is fascinating to me for a lot of reasons. One of which is because in my <laughs> many hats I've worn through my long life, I, I've, I've worked with neurosurgeons uh, several times and I've worked on the periphery of neurosurgery in the field of physical therapy. And so, um, it was very interesting to me to hear the medical terms and knowing what they were talking about not in the sense of a neuros like a certain neurosurgeon would right. in that 
I'm not pulling that out of my butt, but in the sense of like, oh, this is cool. I know what, I know what that is. I know a general idea of what they're going to be doing. And then, you know, the stuff, the stuff that was going wrong during the surgeries, I was like, oh my God, you know, this guy is, is terrible. Yes. And so, but I originally got interested in the story through Reddit back in 2013 when uh, a magazine uh, online, and I believe it's still in print, a magazine called the Texas Observer printed an article about him, which is covered in the series. And uh, I have to give a shout out to the Texas Observer and Texas Monthly. And I know some folks might fall over, but amazing publications, great journalism. Um, If if you want to read something good, Texas Monthly and the Texas Observer. But anyway, so they, they essentially broke the story of this doctor before anybody was able to do anything about it. And uh, the first article was published in 2013. And I read this first article about this guy and was in horror. There's actually a quote from the article in Texas Observer that I thought was encapsules the doctor really, really well. So the reporter says, one doctor I spoke with brought in to repair one of Dunk's spinal fusion cases remarked that it seemed that Dunst had learned everything perfectly just so he could do the opposite. And I thought that that just sends chills down your spine. Yes. And so I, I don't know if that comes into what you were talking about with the, with the laterality, because if he learned everything perfectly, but he's doing it the exact opposite, that would certainly come into play. Or if we're talking about a full-blown psychosis going on with this guy. So I do know that he certainly had the ego of, I don't know, a a, a hundred thousand people packed into one man, (laughs) pure narcissism. And what he did to people is, is unbelievably horrible. I think watching the show will probably make you never want to have surgery if you can ever <laughs> avoid it. <laughs> the way the show ends where they say it will happen again and is probably happening right now, I think is is so important too also. It's, it's such an important part of this show and something to really take out of. It's not just the sensationalism of what this guy did. It's the fact that it's happening right now and it's going to keep happening. It could happen to one of your loved ones. It could happen to you. And what do we do to stop it? What do we do to make this not happen? Yes, yes. And and I think the reason why it will happen again is, okay, you've already t- heard me say, by now you will know that I, I disagree completely with healthcare for sale. But I think the reason why it will happen again is because we... As patients, we, we recoil, we, we cower from actually questioning doctor's decision. Even though we're told, you're the patient, you have the last word. But part of the reasons we, we refrain from questioning a doctor's decision is because, of course, we'll give this person the benefit of the doubt that they know what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. That yeah. if they say this is this is what's going on, unless we have heard some story to the contrary about this doctor, we would never think, maybe this guy is a charlatan, and let me do some more research. Thankfully, there's a lot more people doing that now. Yes. Nowadays, yes. right? Yes. 
but I, the internet I, I, is good for something. Right, and and, and and I would I would venture to say that maybe 10, 15 years ago, not a lot of people were doing that. And and when a guy comes well recommended, which is which is what happens, word of mouth is powerful, you know. And so when a guy goes, hey, fix my friend so and so, so I'll give you a shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there is no, there's no safety net, because when insurance, we work in healthcare, so <laughs> when insurance tells you we are going to peer review a an order in order to approve it, they're not necessarily peer reviewing it to see whether or not it's necessary, but rather how much it was going to cost me. Should we pay for this? Simple as that. All comes down the almighty dollar, and and this is That's this it. is what people hear when the discussions about Obamacare in the beginning were going around. People understood the whole idea of death panels; they they call it death panels. That's exactly what a death panel is. It's in it's which within your insurance company. Those yep. are the ones approving unnecessary medical care. <laughs> They're all the ones approving shit as long as it's cheap enough and they can pay for it. So they will literally tell you, no, 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 no. We'll pay for this if you don't have it done with this doctor. Yes. If you don't have it done at this facility. Yes. If you go that place and you get it done, which is $250 less or $1,000 less, of course, we'll pay for it. And then you have the case too of uh, we're an insurance company will go, uh, no, you don't need that at all. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't need that. You, you, and the twenty-five doctors that you have seen and and all of this evidence. No, you don't. You absolutely don't need it. What Americans do not understand, and I have, <laughs> I have been uh, talking to Americans about healthcare for over twenty years now. What Americans do not understand for the most part, for the majority, is that the insurance company does not give a shit about you. They don't care. They don't care. They will never care. You are not a person to them. All the warm and fuzzy happy ads mean bullshit. All they care about is money. Money is literally all they care about. I will also tell you that the administrators of most hospitals don't give a shit about you as a patient. All they care about is if your insurance is accepted, if they pay, and if they don't pay, they're sure as heck coming after you with the collection hounds. So no, it is all about money. And, and, and I, I, I guess that Americans grew up with this idea of the family doctor with the little bag who came to your house and took care of you and all of this crap. (laughs) But that is gone. It is gone. I don't know that it ever even existed, to be honest. And the idea of the, the, there being these superstar doctors in the sense of how much money they can bring into a hospital That's is infuriating outrageous. and ridiculous. That is Absolutely outrageous. ridiculous. Yes. And that a neurosurgeon, of course, someone who is dealing with someone's spine and their 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 life should be well paid they should be well compensated yes. but 
it should not be to the point that greed absolutely takes over 100%. And the administrators of the hospitals will cut care for everything else to make sure that everything is funneled into one department because that's the moneymaker. That's yes. immoral. Yes. That's not what's not, that's not what healthcare is. It's not what it should be. So it all needs to be burnt to the ground. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, the, the, the idea. And, you know, the other day I was talking to a patient who told me, we were, we were talking, she was griping about how much healthcare cost. And I said, look, I work in this industry, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a strong proponent of universal healthcare because I think what we do here is immoral. I think the notion that you should sell healthcare to whoever can pay for it Yes. Is, is, yes. is not right. Yes. And, and I said, I said, well, but don't, don't take it from me. The fact is I've lived in countries with universal health care and I see how it works. It's not like I've benefited from them because I've lived in countries as a, an immigrant, of course. And on, unless you are a resident, you don't get to participate in that system. But the fact is I, I see what it does for people. And she tells me, well, I used to live in Buffalo, New York, and a lot of Canadians come here for healthcare. And the reason being is because there's a wait there's a wait list. And I'm like, of course. Anyone who thinks they are sick or they're or they have some kind of dolence will wanna be get seen as soon as possible. And if there is next door somebody who's selling it, you're gonna go for it. Sure, if you've got the money, you're absolutely going to do it. But here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing. Healthcare is for sale in this country, right? If I want to see a dermatologist right now, if I have something wrong with me and I have something come up and I need to see a dermatologist, do you know how long I'm going to have to wait where it's for sale? Where it's for sale? Where I could walk in and theoretically buy the doctor's time? A year. I'm going to have to wait a year to see a dermatologist. Do you know how much dead I would be from melanoma by the end of a year? That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> so right. Because... It's, it's all about, so what, what do you do? What do you do in that case? If you have the money, you throw everything in the car it's and you drive route. somewhere where there is a doctor, that, a dermatologist that can see you. If you don't have the money, you die. Yeah. That's what happens. Shop around die. or die. That's exactly yes. right. And if you don't have the money to do it, you die. And we are seeing that every day with GoFundMe pages for funerals, with GoFundMe pages for people's hospital bills, a GoFundMe page for, for hospital bills. We see this every single day. You can go on GoFundMe now and probably call up 50,000 in the first minute of scrolling. So the idea that this is the way things should run is absolutely fucking ridiculous. So the reason that Dr. Death happened is because of greed. But the reason that it is so... It, I, I, it makes great television because it is so unbelievable what he yes. did to these patients. So yes. it makes great television. It makes for a great podcast. There was a podcast made based completely on the story of this doctor too. I believe it was also called Dr. Death. But it, it, it's fascinating and it's horrifying, but we, it really needs to be not just a cautionary tale, but a call to arms to say yes. This is unacceptable. We it's are actually, not going to allow this to happen anymore. It, we are done. Yes. <laughs> no more. No yes. more. 
if you, I, I think I've talked about him before, but there is a doctor in the state, was a doctor in the state of Delaware. His name is Earl Bradley. If you would like to Google his name, I would recommend you only Google his name because he is considered one of the United States worst pedophiles. He had been, had reports, complaints put against him since 1983 by different nurses, different medical boards. He was shuffled around. I'm going to use a probably controversial way of putting this, but he was shuffled around like a Catholic priest. And he kept his medical license in a lot of places. He had him in Pennsylvania, Delaware, Florida. He did unbelievable things to children that I am not going to go into whatsoever. However, he is a product of the fee-for-service that the American public seems to be so in love with. And That's exactly right. a product of the very closed and cloistered brother club of doctors and nurses and hospitals that are terrified of either being sued or losing some important contract with an insurance company. Again, the almighty dollar. So yes. if you want to be equally horrified if you, as you were about Dr. Death, if you get the chance to watch this, Google Earl Bradley and what he did and how all of that came about and how it was from 1983 till I believe 2014 before anything was done about him. That's just his first complaint. That's not when he got out of, of medical school in 1984. <laughs> that was his first complaint, official complaint, official complaint, Yeah, 1984. So anyway, I went on a long rant there. <laughs> No, but like this is this is one of the other things is that it's important to remember when you watch Dr. Death, understand this. If all that happened was just the suspension of his license in Texas, all he needed to do was just move to another to another state. Yes. And that happens with doctors, with police officers, with a whole lot of professions that are state licensed, where there is not an actual database of national licensure, that once you lose it, you lose it. Yes. yes. A police officer can get a lot, a bunch of complaints within the department where he or she works about brutality, about corruption, about shit. They get fired in, I don't know, Rock Hill, South Carolina. All they have to do is move to Charlotte or to Winston-Salem or to Concord. All they have to do is move from one county to another and boom, they get a job as a cop. And it's the same thing with doctors. It's the exact because same thing with doctors. While, while the case was being built up against Christopher Dunst, he was trying to get his license, his doctor's license in Colorado, in his hometown. I believe it was very close to being uh, approved as well. And he almost got it, except yes. that he got arrested in Texas. Yes. And so <laughs> we, <laughs> we're not saying here that all doctors are sociopaths. We're no. not saying here that all doctors no. are sadistic assholes. And not, well, yeah, there's a bit of narcissism in every doctor. Doctors and pilots are narcissists. 
I, what's the saying is, um, what's the difference between a, a neurosurgeon and God? God knows he's not a neurosurgeon. <laughs> the same could be applied to a pilot. <laughs> I swear to you. Yeah. A pilot in in a pilot and in in a doctor are have the same length and width and volume of ego. I I I agree 100%. And and even <laughs> That doesn't make them, I think, that saying that in the minds of some people equals bad person. That doesn't make them a bad person or a bad doctor or a bad pilot. It just means that they have a bit of narcissism. Some of them do, and doctors genuinely care about their patients. They are in it to help people. They do want people to get better. Um, But there is always going to be you have to be so incorruptible to not be tempted by the amount of money that is being offered by insurance companies and hospitals. And that level of morality is well nigh impossible to uphold, especially in a world where there aren't really any other options. <laughs> There's well, not, there really isn't because for a neurosurgeon, let's take a neurosurgeon, right? It, to practice most of the time to be able to have um, privileges at a hospital to c- perform surgery, he has to be credentialed and licensed with, not licensed, credentialed with certain insurance companies before the hospital will even consider letting him have the ability to come and do surgery. So even if he was like, you know what, I'm only doing this on a cash basis. I'm only going to charge what I think is fair to the patient. And I'm only going to do this and this and this. Well, you've got the case of the hospital who's like, you don't take Blue Cross and Blue Shield. So bye. You're not bringing us any money. So bye. Yeah. So that, that is the, the difficult hurdle that even if that does exist, (laughs) there's so many hurdles to get through. And then, I, I, you know, I really do want to talk about too, going back to the fact that you can go to another state and just get a license. And for some states, the requirement to get a license is pathetic. Yes. It's, it's, I mean, it is, it's pathetic. Um, And I, that's another thing that, that needs to be changed. Well, here's the, there is an entire political current in the United States, and you all know what I'm talking about if you live in the United States, that believes in deregulation because regulations are bad. Regulations keep, you know, are, what is it, job stealer or whatever. And when you deregulate, there are two reasons they do that. Reason number one is so that big companies, big industries, can get to do more and obviously they become big contributors, you know, to campaigns and shit because now they are allowed to engulf more things that they should need a license or everybody should need, should have a license to perform. But the other thing is once you deregulate a profession enough where a license or certificate is either not necessary or can be obtained with very few steps, then there's going to be enough people doing this job 
that you get to pay whatever the fuck you say you're going to pay. So why is a CNA making almost near the minimum wage? Because there's not a lot that they have to do to get certi- certified as a CNA. Yep. Do you see, <laughs> do you yep. see what it is? It's all about that, right? Yep. If, if, if somebody had to, and so on, conversely, on the other hand, why do you think, why do we think that a neurosurgeon or any doctor for that matter is so money hungry that are in pursuit, consistent pursuit of money and will sell the service only to the best hospitals they can find is because also there's a little thing of student debts. Yes. It yes. can take one of these people upward to the first 25 years of their profession paying for student debts. Yes. So why shouldn't that make you corruptible? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you exactly. You have to pay back this money, and it is a lot of money. Yes, and you can't put that on a bankruptcy. You can't get away from it ever. It will follow you until you're dead. Exactly. So yep. now imagine you and your surgeon, and you're in debt for three hundred sixty-five thousand dollars, right? And you know. That you could do four twelves. You know you could do three twenty-fours and then be off for the rest of the week. But you've done three twenty-fours. And it's like, hey man, you wanna do some extra time? And all you think is, yeah, because I still have that money, that monkey on my back. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then we're not computers, we're not machines, we're not robots. We have to have sleep and rest and all of those other wonderful things. So uh What's the quality going to happen at the end of those 324s when you get more tacked on to the end of it? So again, it's just, it's, it's infuriating. It's the system, the system created, created the doctor. Dr. Death was created by the system. It was, he was maintained by the system. And, and, and the, it's, it's, as you said from the very beginning, Jojo, it was the greatest failure of the system. That got him where he went, and he got to do all the things he did to people. Was he a sociopath? Yes. Was he was he deranged? Yes. I mean, because there are a lot of doctors in his situation that aren't doing what he's doing. Did he have a vocation to be a doctor, to, to have people's health care in his hands? No. But he thought he needed to be that because that's how success is defined. There is this obsession with success and success is defined by how much money you make, what kind of car you drive, what kind of Mm -hmm. vacations you can get. Where your house is, what What your house looks like. Yeah, exactly. So, so, So again... We can say all we want, and we're not saying that this guy wasn't an asshole. He was a terrible person. He was a sadist. He was, he was a butcher. But the fact of the matter is, 
He should have never gotten his hand on people. No. He never, ever should have been allowed to touch people in any sort of professional way whatsoever. Yes. Never. But the system let him. Yes. The system let him. 100%. The system rolled out the red carpet for him. And, and, yeah. and, and the shame is, is that, as you said, there were complaints. There were complaints. But when complaints happen within the healthcare system, the first measure that is taken is always about ass covering. Yes. Yes. And what is. everybody tried to do was to cover their asses as opposed to saying, yo, no. We're going to cover our asses, but at the same time, we're going to make sure that this guy doesn't get to do this ever again. Yes. yes. Is it not possible to do the, the two things? Is it not possible to cover your ass and say, look, man, we fucked up. Mm-hmm. We fixed it, but we fucked up. Mm-hmm. But the major fuck up here is this guy. And you need to do something about this guy. Yep. We are telling you that he's no good. We are telling you that this dude should not be doing this. Yet, even when the two doctors go in front of the Texas Medical Board, well, like, it's just a human error. Like, yeah. I mean, people make mistakes. Motherfucker, yes, but people are dying. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine... If every mistake you or I made cost somebody their lives? <laughs> There'd be a lot of dead motherfuckers around me. That's all Am I can I right? say. Am I right? And then it'd be like, yeah, I'm human. I make mistakes. It happens. No, man. <laughs> That's not how it works. The, 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 the medical system, too, and the, the Texas Observer really goes into this very well. It is touched on in the series a little bit, but the, there's a lot of really good interviews uh, in the Texas Observer articles because they do cover this story extensively of the ostracism the doctors and the nurses received from their places of employment and also from other doctors for reporting a doctor. It was much like, I think, maybe the brother brotherhood that you hear about in, in, in law enforcement and that, you know, you don't snitch on a brother. You don't, you don't talk about it to, to someone else. And, you know, they, Dr. Um, I think it was Dr. Uh, it's, it's in the Texas Observer article, but one of the two doctors, actually in, in real life, there was three doctors that, that reported on him, but, but one of the two that are portrayed was called before the board of one of the offices he had uh, certifications at and were pretty much, they were like, shut up or we're, we're, we're pulling, we're pulling all of your, your rights to do surgery wow. here. And, um, he was like, uh, yeah, no, I, I have to do what I have to do, uh, because I've, I've already let this go further than I should have let it go. And, um, the thing that, the thing too, that I think is, is, is horrifying about this too, is the fact that in Texas, there is a $250,000 cap on, uh, medical malfeasance, medical malpractice. Thanks to Rick Perry. By the way, Governor Perry. Thanks to Rick Perry. 
Thanks. 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 Thank you, sir. Yes. But so with that in place, they, the medical board still refused to act because $250,000 in the budget of an extremely large and prestigious hospital <laughs> in the Dallas area is like 25 cents to me. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like, Oh, you know, whatever it's gone. So the fact that they weren't even willing to be like, no, we're, we're not, we're not going to give you a, a recommendation where they, they allowed this to happen. And, and it, it, it's unbelievable the amount of greed and hubris that caused this to happen because it's Texas and it, the most they would lose is $250,000. Yeah, there is that. But also there is a question of if we pay, we're admitting. If we, like, even if we, even if we give you yeah. a, a DNA or D not, DND, do not disclose, do not, yeah. even if we do, but by the, just by the, by the fact of, pain we're admitting that we did something wrong and we didn't we didn't well how could we possibly do anything wrong <laughs> you know and yeah. that's that's the terror that's the you know when the bigger they get the more infallible they believe they are yes they have to yes yes they well, have it, to the administrators of the hospitals the ceos of hospitals make so much money oh, they yeah. make ridiculous amounts of money and that's not even getting into the kinds of bonuses that they get and most of them are not doctors <laughs> i'd say 99.9 percent .9 of them are not doctors they don't no. know anything about patients they don't know anything about patient care um i understand that doctors are not business people I get that, yeah. but you really need to have somebody who knows a little bit about patient care somewhere near the top to say, no, we're, we're not going to do that because patients are going to suffer because of that. And when you have something that is run completely by shareholders and stockholders and people whose paycheck relies on what bonus they get from the insurance company this week, what bonus they get from Medicare this week for their good scores, then you get into something that is, uh, again, the system just feeds corruption. Yes, absolutely right. That's exactly the problem. But with all that, none of this cautionary tale is enough for all Americans to get behind a better healthcare system. And there are people, even if they got hurt today by this system, they still would think that this is the best system. So there's no convincing. The, the fear of not, not having the power to buy something, to throw money at something, is what's keeping this country from having a, a more equitative healthcare system because people want to be able to buy healthcare whenever they want healthcare. And I remember that when the whole Obamacare discussion was going on, a lot of people made the argument of my healthcare should be between my doctor and myself. <laughs> and it was a dumb argument back then. And it's still a dumb argument, dumb argument today. 
Because your healthcare is not between you and your doctor. No. It's between the shareholders of an insurance company. Simple as that. It's, it's, it's no, the doctor doesn't even have anything to do with it. Mm-mm. Nothing. Because <laughs> I've seen doctors forced to tweak an order to the most unnecessary pr- procedure, even though from the very beginning, they knew that's not the procedure they wanted because that's not the procedure that will yield the result of what they want to rule out. But the insurance says, nope. We're not paying for this. We're paying for that. Yep. We see it all the time. Yep. All the time. All the time. It only happens in the U.S. (laughs) Because in those countries where you're so afraid that people wait up until four months to get... It's because it is really being peer-reviewed. And there's a group of people that are saying... Why are we doing an ultrasound for this? It should be a straight MRI. Yep. Why are we doing an MRI for this? This should be that. Yep. Why yep. are we looking for this surgery when clearly what we have here is this or that? Go back. Do it again. That's what the weight is all about. But the other day, about a year ago, I had a little bit of a cold going on and my doctor told me look man I can't see you until next Thursday but it sounds like what you have have you in pain or whatever so I'm going to call one of the doctors in the building where you are and tell them to just on my behalf just quickly see you right just go upstairs and tell them so and so and I'm like okay cool I went and the receptionist told me, yeah, no, we did speak to your doctor, but the fact is we can't take new patient for the next six months. You know, but like, I thought, yeah, no, we, we can't do that because if we do it for you, then it will look like privilege because you work here. I'm like, okay, that's it. Well, let's talk about the cars because it seems like, you know, Right? <laughs> I'll tell you it. Um, so Joshua Jackson was fantastic on this. I mean, I mean, this guy, this guy was, I know I say this all the time, but this guy was, was born for this. Seriously. He, he, he is so, so good in this role. He, he really captures the, to me, he really captured the narcissism, the hubris of just a regular neurosurgeon. And then just the, the, the he was able to tip it over the edge into madness without making it ridiculous. He is brilliant in this, in my opinion. You know, I believe every aspect of Dr. Death that, that Joshua Jackson was able to portray because there was there was something charming about that guy. Yes. About Christopher yes. Dunge. There yes. was something about him that unless you knew what you knew, what you know, you would want to be friends with him. There was something Absolutely. about him. There was something about him that 
um, made you feel a certain amount of pity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you felt a little bit. Yep, you felt a little bit sorry for him. Yeah, but at the same yeah. time, there was something about it that made you feel this guy's kind of cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you can't help but admire somebody who is so able, so nimble at getting out of difficult situation. You'd be like, very, yeah, yeah, man. He pulled, <laughs> he pulled it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't yeah. help but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Narcissists are amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> when you run across the true pure narcissist, they are they are something else. Yeah. But yeah. It, he Joshua Jackson is is so good in this and just like you said, I mean his patients did love him. Yeah. The ones he didn't kill. <laughs> 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 There's a lot, yeah. you know, and people, people loved him and he had, you know, he was jovial with some folks and, and he just, he, and I do believe, as you said at the beginning, I think of the podcast that as a researcher, he probably would have been brilliant, very, very, very brilliant. And I think that, that he, I, the man is not an idiot no. <laughs> by any means, no. by any means. And I think that he for whatever reason, whatever turned him into surgery, he never should have touched a person, but whatever sent him in that route is a tragedy because really lost uh, a great mind for research. And I, I also think that what triggered his descent into madness could have been him being thrown out of the company that he created. Yes. The research company that he created. Yes. Uh, there's that. I mean, it, it, it was, I, I think it's still around, a very successful research company and they put him out with certain legalese and stuff but I think that you know okay well I'm going to dedicate myself to surgeries no matter how many people like you but yeah Joshua Jackson was dope Christian Slater <laughs> was funny on this one <laughs> I and I wonder if the doctor he's portrayed, sometimes I think they fuse a lot of different characters together in one person. So it could be, there could be qualities in, in aspects of many different people that they just condense into one character. But I couldn't help but laugh when this dude was asked, so, uh, can you tell us what you do? And he went on for like five minutes. Yeah, I went to such and such school and I did this. And I'm like, that is a new, that, my friend. Yes, yes, it's bloody nearly it, but in a funny way. Like, dude, no one asked you any of that. <laughs> she kept trying to. But, but, but uh, so Dr. Uh, Dr. Kirby, right? Dr. Kirby, am I getting yeah. right? Yeah. Dr. Dr. Randall Kirby, um, from past reading and, and what I've read to catch up on the case a bit, uh, Dr. Kirby, that he essentially played Dr. Kirby. That is Dr. Kirby. Really? And there's a scene where he, they're, uh, they're on the Texas Observer and Dr. Dr. Death, Dr. Deutsch is, is making comments and Dr. Kirby 
when, when he comes in Alec Baldwin's office yes. and, and, he, and, and Alec Baldwin is like, don't engage. Yeah, and he yeah. sends this smart ass comment. That is word for word what he put down back to Dr. Deutsch. Deutsch. So I, he, that's him. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny stuff, man. Cause this dude was petty as hell. And, yeah. and like to a certain extent, he was the good side of Dr. Death. Like, yeah, yeah, a narcissist asshole too, but I don't kill people. <laughs> I'm not right. a sociopath, <laughs> you know. Um, Anna Sophia Robb was great as Michelle Sugart. She uh, really, really was. I, I don't know your feelings on this, but I really felt that she nailed the Texas accent. Mm-hmm extremely yes. well yes and uh kind of the demean demeanor of the younger texas woman and the way you have to sort of pussyfoot around things with mm-hmm. with men yeah. and uh i i really enjoyed her performance as as this i i thought she was great also she you. has like disney princess eyes <laughs> i'm with you and uh the, the that Texas accent. Somebody told me one time that the Texas accent is sort of like a southerner, um, a southern twang, while chewing tobacco. <laughs> 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 Don't tell me. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's all I know. But yes, yeah, she did. She she was fantastic with that one. Alec Baldwin was in 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 his A game, especially as a witness. Those yes. last few words, man, he he nailed it. He nailed it. Like because it it, it could be maybe his testimony w- was not convincing enough to a jury. But when he put the as you say the last nails in the co- on the coffin with the the Hippocratic Oath also says this, 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 and that. I would not have. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, this is what a doctor is supposed to take into account. And I wouldn't have done these things. And I think that was the money shot there for Alec Baldwin. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. He he was, like you said, he brought his A-game to this because... I feel like Alec Baldwin is can be very spotty in his performances, <laughs> especially lately. But he um, he was he was excellent in this. He was he had the gravitas of an older neurosurgeon, and he also had the ego. <laughs> yes, and but he also had the sort of the diplomacy that 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 Dr. Uh, Kirby, Kirby lacked. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I felt that the chemistry between him and Christian Slater was not something I expected at all. Yeah. But I thought they had great chemistry because they, they the characters of the two you would think would fight like cats and dogs and they do but it is in a way that it's like yeah they're fighting like cats and dogs but they're on each other's side. Like they're, yeah. they're the story. 
This is a cause that they both understand that they both want to be behind and whatever they don't like about the other one, they're going to put to the side. And at the same time, they're probably going to be friends at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. That, that This would be the cause that united them for the rest of their lives, if you will. Yes. yes. I think I think that was the case with, uh, with the two characters. And, and it was, yeah, it was a fantastic chemistry. Um, Grace Summer as Kim Morgan, she, she was, she was, she was all right. Uh, I liked her entrance with the French song by the pool and stuff. It almost looked like, am I still watching the same thing? (laughs) 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 Christine actually asked me like, is this a commercial? And I'm like, no, it's it's still Dr. Death. I don't know what's happening, but it's still Dr. Death. (laughs) So that, that was fantastic. What do you think of this guy, Dominique Burgess, as uh, Jerry Summers? He, uh, I, I think it was, I think he, I don't know. I feel like Jerry is a sort of a heartbreaking character yeah. and uh, maybe a little bit pathetic. I, I I don't quite know what to think about his performance. I, I It's not exactly how the character is. Uh, if you read the articles, or was as the you know at the end, it's it's dedicated to him because he did eventually pass away from what his friend did to him. But I I don't think Jerry was quite as non-savvy or naive as right. he was portrayed in this particular series. At the same time, I think though that that was kind of an access for some of the audience to be seeing this kind of thing through the eyes of of someone who's just thinks doctors are good and cool and awesome and this is all yeah. great. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a couple of people there there was a couple of cameos by Kelsey Grammer. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> playing this Really shady doctor. Very shady um, doc. Yes. Carrie Preston, uh, as a lawyer for uh, Christopher Dunst, was fantastic. She really was. I, I, I thought she would have dumped his ass <laughs> at some point, and she decided, no, 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 I'm going to do this, you know. And she had, yeah. she had that Texas demeanor too. Yeah. Like you know. Uh, don't pee in my boot and tell me it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, there was this dude who played Josh Baker. His name is Hubert Point du Jour. And I'm still trying to figure out if this dude is of Haitian descent because th- his name could not be more Haitian. Hubert Point du Jour. <laughs> But I don't see much I don't information. See, I don't see much about him at all. Um, yeah. He he was very very good in this, and in in what actually happened, the 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 nurse that he plays is a very is someone who made a complaint about him, who went with the uh, three doctors to make a complaint because the part about the the scrubs and the hole and him not wearing underwear. Is, is true. And he, he wore the same scrubs to multiple surgeries. God. 
God. Contan- contaminated stru- scrubs to multiple surgeries, unwashed scrubs to multiple surgeries with a big old hole in the butt and no underwear. So, wow. but so the, the, the fact that he know I, I thought that it was great that they put that in the series because it's the kind of thing that you could have just pushed away, but it's, it's the level of, of, um, of detail that they, inc- yes, yes. Yeah. It, it's yeah the i know that he he was particularly shocked about the whole like hey man do you know that there's a whole <laughs> just scrub like and it's right by your ass too like <laughs> what are you doing son <laughs> that was <laughs> i can see your butt <laughs> i mean come on player <laughs> shit um uh, I think of the the uh, the ones who played the patients, um, Marianne Plunkett uh, as Madeline Bayer was great, was convincing. The other lady, Marceline Hugo, or Hugo, she reminded me a little bit of uh, um, Margot Martindale. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 This lady, Marceline Hugo, remind me of her. Is it Margot Martindale? Yes. Margot Martindale. Something about her reminded me of that. Of that actress. You know, yeah. I have to say, Jojo, good eye for you, of course. <laughs> you know, you managed you. to get me to watch <laughs> a Peacock show. Use that Peacock prescription subscription for something else. <laughs> yeah, and I think I actually think that they, I've, you know, scrolled around a couple of their original shows, and they're not bad. I think I mean really, Peacock is not a a very expensive subscription, and uh, if you don't have it, maybe you should try and look look it up. You know, if you watch the English Premier League, so do that too. If you're yeah. a soccer fan. Watch that and then watch Dr. Death. And... <laughs> in the United States, that's pretty much where <laughs> most of the games are. So. But kudos, Jojo. That was dope. I like this show. And uh, the cast was great. And the story was, was, was great. And I think there's a lot of true stories that have been made into mo- movies or miniseries that we said, what the fuck was that? You know? Yes. But I think on yeah. this one, they nailed it. And, and that, that was dope. I think uh, it's time for us to say goodbye, Jojo, isn't it? Probably so. <laughs> and so before we go, we have to tell you that you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and also Pinterest. Uh, you can find it as Kicking and Streaming. You can just do a search for Kicking and Streaming, and you'll find us. On, on the web. Also, you can go directly onto your, our website, kickinandstreamingpodcast.com. You can either listen to the entire catalog of our shows and also you'll, you'll find the links to follow us too. If you listen to this podcast on a particular podcast app, don't forget to review. Tell us what you think of this show. But better yet, if you're going to our website and you want to do a review there, that's fine too. You can also leave us a voice message, right? If you look on the right-hand side, the bottom of the screen, you'll see a little, a little microphone. 
boom, do it. Leave us a voice message to we're cool with that. Right, Jojo? That's right. If you have any suggestions for what we could watch next and talk about that too. That's that that's it right there. Also on our website you will find the links or the little handles that will take you to buy me a coffee or coffee k-o-f-i where you can leave us a donation or any kind of monetary help that you deem necessary if you ever wondered how should i thank these guys with something you can give us some money we'll take it i'm just saying we will take it dude like and and if it's one dollar we'll take it like don't matter yep absolutely and thank so, you for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you in advance, Jojo and I. And thank you for bu buying us a coffee, you know. Yes. And uh, this is it for us, Jojo. We're going to call it a day today. And we'll be back next week with something else, isn't it? That's right. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.